Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello, hello. How is everyone? Um, I decided to get on here and do another AMA because it had been a little bit since I did one. Um, it's raining outside, so maybe you'll be able to hear that. I don't have any work to do this morning so far, so I thought I'll record an AMA. Can't wait. I hope everyone's doing good. Um, yeah, let's just get started. Okay. <laughs> Jen W's packs is why does Macy ins- why does Macy's Insta profile say that she's a poetry enthusiast? That's really funny. Um, I don't she hasn't talked about it a long time, but Macy's like really fancy herself to be a writer. She wrote two books, I believe like bulletproof and then the other one was called like still more bulletproof I think (laughs) and if you look at her um awful tattoos she has like pencils incorporated into her tattoos and Macy just has always really considered herself to be like a writer so I guess she loves poetry too and the idea that she considers herself a poetry enthusiast I find very funny I would like to know what poetry she actually reads (laughs) I myself am not a poetry enthusiast. I've never been a big poetry fan. I love to read, as I think most of you guys know. Um, Unfortunately, I'm, like, really bad at physically reading. I mostly listen to audio, or I mostly listen to books now, although I feel like this year I've been really... Last year I listened to, like, I think 50-plus books. I kept track on Goodreads and listened to a lot of books. And this year I've just been struggling. I've only been listening to series that I've already listened to. excuse me, Um, I've only been listening to ones I've already listened to. And I think, I don't know if that like really counts. I've been having trouble concentrating, like not just since quarantine, but really all year. But I'm not a poetry enthusiast. Okay, mom to two XX asks, of all the podcasts and all the episodes you've recorded, which one is your favorite? That's a good question. Um, I don't think any, like, my feathers in my hair regular episodes would be a favorite because they just, like, I I think there are ones that are really good, especially when I have guests on and they're interesting and I like to talk about them. Um, But it's hard for me to think, like, about them individually because they all kind of blur together. I think the podcast I had the most fun recording was when Troy and I did the one, The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia Like, to me, that was so fucking fun to record. Troy and I had been talking about doing it for so long. We weren't telling anybody we were doing it. So I was, like, really amped up to do it because I'm, like, I'm so excited to surprise drop this. People are going to be so happy, which they were. And I just loved... Troy is so funny, obviously, and that movie is so fucking amazing. So it was so great to talk about. So I think that's probably my favorite podcast that I've ever done. Yeah, I think. It's hard to say. I record a lot of podcasts, and they all kind of blur together in my mind a little bit. Um, Shuntsman wants to know, what kind of music do you listen to? I'll be honest, I don't listen to that much music anymore the older I get, which is, I don't know, weird, surprising. I don't really know why. I mostly listen... Well, here's the thing. I always loved, um, from when I was in, like, middle and high school, like, I used to always love NPR, Um, But I didn't love all of the content that was on NPR. So I could only listen to NPR, you know, like when it was a show that I liked. I couldn't listen to NPR all the time. So, and I did like, like I love 
music. Like, I still like music. It's not that I don't like music. Um, but I've always loved people talking and talk radio. Um, I, I didn't really know about audiobooks that much then, but I loved NPR. And then when I discovered podcasts, the first podcast I'm pretty sure I listened to was the Savage Lovecast, like in the mid 2000s. And I would download it onto my iPod and listen to it. Um, When I discovered podcasts, I was like, oh, this is so great. It's like NPR, except I can listen to things that like topics that I really want to listen to. And I don't have to listen to You Bet Your Garden on Saturday morning at 11 (laughs) a.m. You'd listen to This American Life and then You Bet Your Garden would come on with uh, Car Talk being before those. So... Yeah, I really have always liked talk radio, but like I said, there just wasn't, you know what I mean? It wasn't on demand because we didn't live in on-demand life back then. But the more access I got to podcasts and like I remember once downloading like the entire 600 episode catalog or something of This American Life, maybe 500 episodes then, and putting that all on my iPod and just like listening to that for a whole year basically, um... That was like a thrill. And I used to like illegally download audiobooks all the time before Audible. (laughs) And yeah, so I like stopped listening to as much music and started listening to podcasts and audiobooks and that type of stuff. But the music I like, like I love like indie, like I still love Rilo Kylie and Sufian Stevens. I don't, I don't even know how you say his first name. Sufian Stevens, um... Love him. I love classic rock. I like hip hop. I like, um, like recently I've been listening to Lord's Melodrama on repeat, which is like not, I don't know what that says. Um, I like pop music when I'm out like dancing and moving around. I don't necessarily listen to pop music. Like in my, if I was like putting on music in my car, I probably wouldn't turn it on. But I grew up really liking pop music, of course, like everybody, I think. I don't know. This sounds so weird. It's like, I feel like I do actually like a lot of music. I'm not into country, although I do like folk music and like bluegrass, but I don't like pop country. Um, and I don't like, I don't like that. That's why I don't like pop country. And the worst is when I'm in a yoga class that the person puts a lot of pop country on her fucking playlist. It drives me nuts. But yeah, so I like like indie girl rock is a good way to describe a lot of what I listen to, I think. Um, and like just stuff that I liked in high school, I still listen to. I like Lana Del Rey. Um, yeah. I mean, I like Rihanna. So I do like some pop. No, I do like pop, but like, like I love the anti album. I really will put that on and like groove around. I feel like such an idiot talking about this. I'm just like, it's so weird. The older I get, like, I just am not really a music head. Like, in high school, of course, I think everybody is in high school. Like, I just loved music so much. And I just feel like I don't listen to it that much anymore because I have on-demand audio. uh, On-demand, like, people talking. Okay, uh, mhoney65 wants to know, what did you think of Alex and Katie on Teen Mom 3? Um, I honestly don't have a ton of Teen Mom 3 memories. Like, I definitely watched it when it was on. I remember Alex just screaming all the time. There was this parody account called Alex Yells, and it would just be her, like, the person typing in all capitals, which I thought was very funny. 
<laughs> Alex was a bitch, basically. Matt it was awful. And Katie, I honestly, she, like, did not leave an impression on me. I even did her 16 Pregnant for the show, and I have almost no memories of her. Okay. Chalk It Down Kid wants to know, how come you chose to go to AA instead of NA? That's a good question, and the answer is mostly because when I went to a sober living house, um, the people in my house mostly went to AA meetings, or in Florida, like where I was in Florida, there was a really popular program that they don't really have as much up here, maybe in the city, but not where I live, um, called CA, which is Cocaine Anonymous, and the it's not... Like, they also have different versions of it, but the one that was popular is Cooking Anonymous, which is where you work out of the big book, like, you do your steps out of the big book, the AA big book, but in meetings, um, the idea is, like, uh, a desire to quit cocaine and all of their mind-altering substances, so it's, like, in AA, you're not really supposed to talk about drugs, it's, like, this is, I don't know, this is the whole thing. But the idea is the primary purpose is to help others stop drinking drinking alcohol is AA's primary purpose and doesn't really um, claim to get people sober from drugs. Okay. So when drug people started coming around, uh, the old time AAers were like, we can't really help you. So this guy, I think his name is Jimmy K, started NA and wrote his, they wrote their own version of the big book, which they call the basic text. Uh, so for a long time, it was just like, AA. if you drank, you went to A, if you did drugs, you went to NA. And then a lot of people, I think, decided that they liked the big book better, but they wanted to talk about drugs. So they started these like offshoot meetings, like CA, there's DA, DAA. I don't know if they call it DA or DAA, which is like drug addicts anonymous. There's HA, which is heroin anonymous. Um, so they all use the big book. But in meetings, they talk about drugs. So I think I might have started really going to CA first, to be honest. Um, I think that's where I got my first sponsor in a CA home group. So I really liked um, CA for like my first year and a half of sobriety. And so I was using the big book. Also, I just didn't love... um, Once I started going to AA meetings versus NA meetings, I just realized I didn't really like NA meetings that much. Um, they do like a million readings at the beginning and I'm like always like, why are we reading so much? Like, it's just so much. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how to describe this, but like in, in the NA meetings I went to, I felt like there was more of a focus on the story and less of a focus on the message of recovery in the AA meetings I went to felt like there was more of a focus on the message of recovery um, and that was just my experience. Like I know, I actually know there's some alcoholics that go to NA because they prefer it. So it's really, it's just like basically where I was taken to meetings and where I got a sponsor and just like where I stayed. And it is the program that I choose to work because I like the big book. I've never read the basic text though. So maybe I would like the basic text too. Um, Lynn's Bishop wants to know, what are your thoughts on without a crystal ball lady who? As I said, I think in the last AMA I did, like, I'm not interested in starting, like, beef with any other podcaster or content creator. Um, I think Katie Joy is, who runs this YouTube channel called Without a Crystal Ball. It's not just about Team Mom. She does a lot of reality TV. I don't really have a problem with her. I think she's, like, a lot of people really can't stand her. 
Uh, my thing is that Katie Joy gets the fucking scoops. <laughs> like, people want to hate on her, but she gets the scoops that nobody else is getting. She gets Derek from uh, the Duggars to come talk to her. She got those Andrew leaks. She gets um, Sister Wives information. Like, so, like, you can't hate on the fact that, like, Katie Joy has the information. And as much as a lot of people don't like her, like, she is the person that is getting a lot of the information that we talk about. And, yeah, I think that I don't really understand, like, the hatred a lot of people towards have towards her. Because I feel like if you don't, like, people on Reddit, like, fucking hate her. And it's like, if you don't like her, just don't watch her. Like, it's very easy not to consume content. And I say this as somebody that is, like, an absolute hate watcher, as I think you guys all know. But for whatever reason, she just doesn't, she doesn't bother me. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to describe it any other way, except that she doesn't bother me. Okay, I did not put these all together, which is annoying. Okay, so Jackie Toff says, what's your favorite Housewives franchise? Um, I guess Real Housewives in New York City, although I'm not really a person that, like, picks a favorite when it comes to Housewives franchises. I think they all have pluses and minuses. And if you're joined to join a cast of Real Housewives, what city would it be? I think it would be New Jersey. I think that would be the city I could, like, best work my way around. New Jersey's not a city. I know that. Um, okay, so... Zigchuk says, so I have a new obsession with CrossFit documentaries. Have you tried them? So addictive. No, I have not. I didn't know anything about that. Uh, Little Bird, I'm just going to ask the answers because I think it's funny. Wants to know who my favorite James Bond is. Guys, I don't have a favorite James Bond. As a rule, I hate all action movies and don't watch them. (laughs) I just don't like them. I guess I like some. Like, I like Kill Bill. (laughs) Like, Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. But, like, I don't like, I don't watch superhero movies. I don't watch comic, comic book and superhero are the same thing. I don't watch that stuff. I just don't like action movies. I don't care about them. I also don't really like horror movies. I don't like the feeling of being scared. Um, okay. A, uh, I don't know how to say this person's, it's just a bunch of letters. Which series do you find more compelling, Team Mom OG or Team Mom 2 and why? Team Mom 2 always has been the more compelling show for me. Uh, I think the cast of Team Mom 2 is just infinitely better than the cast of Team Mom OG, like, at its, at its core, Team Mom 2 is a much better show. Now, are there seasons when OG is better than Team Mom 2? Like, I guess. I, and I think they've, like, both kind of fallen off, but I think Team Mom 2 in its heyday was a much better show than Team Mom OG, and that's always been true. And I just think the cast of Team Mom 2 is, like, just way better TV. I think they're better at making TV. Okay, Mel and Rick wants to know, do you think New York and PA will come off quarantine on the 30th? No, I do not. I think we are going to be on quarantine through summer. Um, I've already, like, accepted that we're not going to have a summer. It sucks, but I I don't see us coming. I don't... How? How could... I mean, what's today? Today is the 13th. <gasps> it's Cousin Julia's birthday tomorrow. April 14th is Cousin Julia's birthday. Um, I don't... I don't, like, possibly see how they could come off quarantine before, like, July. (laughs) Okay, so Luna Love says, if any of the kids would write a tell-all, which one would be the most interesting to read? Uh, A really honest, like, 100% honest tell-all. I think, obviously, Sophia is the answer. 
But I think Aaliyah Tala would be very interesting. A Jace Tala would be very interesting. Actually, I let's be real. I would mostly just like a tell-all from almost all of the kids with fucked up parents. Like, I don't care about a Bentley, te- like any of Macy's kids with a tell-all. But I would like maybe one of Leah's kids to write a tell-all from their perspective, you know. Leah's about to write her tell-all. But I would like to hear the kids tell their experiences. I also think that... Um, Lena Kale's kids could be interesting, although it might actually be boring because I'm not as convinced as everybody else that Kale's kids are suffering so badly. But Farah and Jace and probably Leah Shirley are my big answers. Okay, Aaron Duffy wants to know why do you think Janelle shares her life on Insta when people are just when people just point out what she does wrong? I think it's a very simple and easy answer. I think it's because she's addicted to attention. I think it's easy to be like. I think it's easy for a sane, normal person to be like, how, why just delete your account? Like if, let's be real, if Janelle deleted all of her accounts and just like lived on her land and like was not on social media at all, like we wouldn't talk about her and it would be pretty easy for her to disappear. And I think the same could be said for a lot of hated people on the internet, but I think people are addicted to attention and even though it's negative and most of us would not be like seeking that type of attention I think that she is and she's obsessed with it okay I did a bad job taking screenshots so this is just the same shit okay uh the challenge deep dive which by the way is a podcast started by one of my listeners she recaps the challenge which is not a show I watch but if you guys watch the challenge you should go listen to it it's her new podcast uh, she said, did you hear that Corey supposedly cheated on Taylor at the challenge? Do you believe it? I did hear this, although I, the rumors I heard were that he cheated on her at um, a nightclub doing challenge promo, and I personally believe it to be true. I think he was at least making out with other girls in the club. I think Corey's a fucking dog. I think he's a cheater, and he wants us to believe in this, like, happy family bullshit, and I don't believe it to be true. She also asks... Do you think Team Mom OG will continue on when they on or do you think they'll bring back Young and Pregnant? I think Young and Pregnant is probably dead in the water. And I think OG and Team Mom 2 have a couple seasons left in them. Although I, it will be interesting. You know, this quarantine has shut down TV production. It will be interesting to see, much like the rest of the economy, like what gets axed and what doesn't. Like, they've already started filming a Team Mom 2 season, so I'm guessing they would go back and finish that. But, like, if they're that behind in Team Mom 2, and then, like, I don't know, maybe they won't do another Team Mom OG. This is, like, the writer strike. Like, what's going to come back and what's not? Remember the writer the writer strike in, like, 2007 or 2008? Like, some shows didn't make it after that. And I think that this is going to be uh, very much not a... Very much something that these shows could be a casualty of quarantine is what I'm saying. Okay, Shoydeck wants to know, when are you visiting Germany? Actually, my friend and I were going to go to Germany and we like this summer and we started planning a trip, but then her best friend got engaged and was like quickly going to get married this summer. So we obviously like couldn't do a trip to Europe. And then thank God I didn't plan it because we wouldn't be going um, Germany is absolutely on my list. What we were going to do is go to Germany and then Poland because I really want to go to Auschwitz because I think it's very important. My cousin is doing a trip to Germany to go to the house where my grandmother lived. Um, I've talked about this on the podcast that my mom's parents left Germany 
1938. I think my grandma left in 1938. My grandfather left in 1939. I can't remember the exact days. Uh, so my grandparents were German Jews and they left and uh, they were, their parents were not able to leave. Uh, so like my grandfather and his sister were able to leave and my grandmother and her two brothers were able to leave. But their families were not and we have a bunch of letters from my grandma back and forth with her parents and we donated them to the Holocaust Museum and this last summer we my cousin Leslie is um, like a genealogist. She's like the family genealogist and was really into this and got all the letters and donated them to museum. And the museum, in return for the donation, got them translated. Um, they're like written in this certain German script that only like four people alive can still read, basically, because it just died out. And um, what was I saying? Oh, God. My brain is so fried. It's so fucking fried. Oh, so... What Leslie is doing is she got all these letters translated. She's putting them in order. She's writing an ebook, and with like this lady is helping her. Basically, this lady is going to use it as like her editing um, portfolio, and it's going to be an ebook. It's like I don't think anybody will. <laughs> I don't think anybody will really want to read it. It's like not that interesting because it's just family letters. It's interesting as far as it is like a historical artifact, and like it goes from them living in their house to being moved to these apartments, and then they stop coming because they get deported. And, um, I mean, they're sad. They're really, like, they're really sad. Like, one of them is my grandmother wrote to her mom, and then her mom wrote back to her son, like, to my grandma's brother, because the letters would get passed around. So we have letters that were written to, like, my great uncle that, like, ended up with my grandma. So that's why we had them. And she would write, like, like, the, my great-grandmother wrote, like, I talked to Margot today, and she said that, or I re received a letter from Margot today, and she said that she had a dream that she was picking me up from the boat. And, like, all the letters were, like, we're just getting the permit, we're getting the per or the visa, we're getting the visa, we're getting the visa, and, like, it'll be soon, it'll be soon, it'll be soon, and then, like, of course, you know, it never happens. It's very sad. Um, because they all died. And... Also, I've been watching Hunters on Netflix or on Amazon, which I, I personally really like. I am watching it for a second time because I wasn't fully paying attention the first time I watched it. And I missed a lot, so I'm watching it again. So I have been thinking a lot about the Holocaust and about my family. And these letters are really amazing. Oh, so last, my cousin Leslie, who lives in the Chicago area and is a, I think, a fairly large donor to the Chicago Holocaust Museum because most cities... Not most cities, but a lot of cities have their own, like, branch of the Holocaust Museum. Through the Chicago Holocaust Museum, we went to the D.C. Holocaust Museum. My mom and, like, her sisters and, like, a lot of my girl cousins. I think it was, like, eight or nine of us. And so on Saturday of that weekend, we went to the museum, which I've been before, but it's obviously an incredible museum. And then on Sunday, we went to – maybe it was Sunday, Monday. Um, That doesn't matter. We went to – so the Holocaust Museum got, like – a hundred million dollars of donations and built this like incredible offsite facility that's about an hour outside of DC and it houses like all of their artifacts because they basically take all of the donations that people want to give and house them. And how did I get on this topic? I just like blacked back into what I was talking about. I have no idea how I got on. oh Germany. <laughs> okay. Um so they have this museum 
it's not a museum. It's like their offsite artifact holder. But they bring people on tours there because they want people to donate. It's a good way to get donations. And they let the people who donated their artifacts, like they pull them out and let you look at them. So it was really cool. We went through this whole uh, building. Like the building was built, they built it from the ground up. And it's really, I mean, if you ever have the chance to go to the DC Holocaust Museum's offsite facility, I'm not sure how you get there. You have to be on some sort of tour. Um, I highly suggest you go. It's an incredible facility. They built this specifically to house these artifacts. The They really feel it's so important to uh, keep all the artifacts because they believe that it's like forensic evidence of the Holocaust because as witnesses die and the survivors die, did you guys know that like in some places, in America, we call them survivors, but in a lot of places, they call them witnesses. That's a thing. But as the witnesses of the Shoah die, um, they obviously, like, those witnesses, like, when there are no more witnesses, like, what do we have to prove that the Holocaust happened? And what we have to prove that the Holocaust happened is the artifacts. And so the U.S. Holocaust Museum finds it very, very important to keep all the artifacts because they are... Like, the silent witnesses is basically what they said and how they explained it. And it was really incredible, you know, just, like, the amount of stuff they had was mind-blowing. And on our tour were a couple of survivors and a bunch of people who had donated artifacts. So they pulled out all the artifacts that had been donated by people on the tour. And we were able to see my grandmother's letters, like, the original letters and how they stored them and where they stored them, which was honestly, like... Probably one of the most incredible experiences of my life uh, was to think about, like, that my grandmother's letters were, like, an important piece of history that were being saved uh, as a silent witness to a genocide that was done against Jewish people. So it's just, it's very, it's very awe-inspiring and very wonderful to see. And like I said, this facility was, like, it was incredible. We got to see. And, like, when I say artifacts, I mean, like, they had... (laughs) I can't express you. They had, they're like, okay, now we're going into the large artifact room, which is like, they had fucking, um, like horse-drawn carriages. Like they had all of these like trunks, all this luggage, like cars, like they had so much stuff. Um, so much art. So, so, so much art done in camps by survivors. Um, they had like, obviously so many letters, like my grandmother's letters that we donated, but also, like, pictures. Um, I remember this one photo album we saw was pictures of people in the Lodz ghetto, which is actually where my family was deported to, my, um, some of my family. And somebody had gone back to the ghetto after it was liberated, like, after liberation, and had found this photo album just, like, on the streets and took it. And it was, like, just Jews in the Lodz ghetto in Poland, like, living their lives, just pictures of them, which is, I, it was just, it was so incredible. This facility was really awe-inspiring and the care that the archaeologists were doing to take care of everything. Obviously, that if you haven't been to the DC Holocaust Museum, it's, in my opinion, one of the best museums in the world that I've seen. And I've, like, been to Yad Vashem in Israel, the Israel Holocaust Museum, and I think the DC one is, like, significantly better. like I think the DC Holocaust Museum is gold standard as far as museums it's really just so incredibly done and so to their off-site facility when I say it's like if you've been to the DC Holocaust Museum and you know how well put together it is 
the off-site facility, which is not a museum, it's an archaeology facility or whatever, like, it's truly one of the most awe-inspiring things I've ever seen in my entire life. And if you ever can get yourself on a tour to go through it, basically, you probably have to be, like, a hawk. I think... I think you really have to be a donor, but if you know someone who's a donor and is offered one of these off-site facility tours, like, find your way to get on it. And it's, like, it really was amazing. So how I got here is that my cousin Leslie is going to do a trip to Germany to put stones outside of the house that my grandmother grew up in. Um, there's like this whole, and I guess she, like, a plaque thing that she wants to put up. It would be really nice and lovely. Um, and I would like to go with her, but I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to be able to do that. But I would like to be able to do that. So, yeah, I will eventually be going to Germany, and I would really like to go to Auschwitz and Poland as well. Um, I've never been to Europe. I really just want to go to Europe. I've traveled a bit. I've been to Guatemala and Mexico a bunch of times and Canada and Israel, and I've definitely traveled and around the U.S. I just haven't been to Europe, so I definitely would like to go soon if possible. Okay, uh, <laughs> that person was like, I didn't ask for all of that, but this is why I like and ask me anything. Oh, let me actually take a really quick break and then I'll get back to this. Okay, Abba Lasbury says, what's your favorite pandemic hobby? Apparently mine is baking and eating it right away. Uh, I also have been baking a tiny little bit, and by baking, I mean baking things out of the box, but my favorite hobby has been walking, I guess. I try and walk for like two hours every day. Thankfully, I was already a walker before this, but I would say that's like been my main hobby. Okay, um, <clears throat> Sky Waddenly says, are you still releasing any of your extra content or in your made feed later in the week? Yeah, that's what this AMA is. That was always kind of be like my extra content, the AMA. I was going to do one every week, and then I just, like, fell behind, so I wanted to do it now. Okay, SB Stewart 8 says, what is the current Chanel David status? Are they quarantined on the land? The status is the same that it's been. They're together, and yes, they're on the land together. Okay, Caroline Cyrus says, have you watched NYC Prep? It's on demand right now. Yes, I watched NYC Prep when it was on air, and I would like to rewatch it. I think I'm going to rewatch it. <laughs> A console says, took me a minute to process this, says, has Mackenzie McKee slept with, sister slept with Josh? Um, I, like, she really seems in love with him, doesn't she? Like, why are they so obsessed with Josh? I just can't, just can't figure it out. She also asked, would you rather be in a relationship with Brian Edwards or Josh? Um, I think maybe Josh because he's like awful but he just like sits there and is quiet um where Ryan is like really awful I think she also asked would you rather be in a relationship with Javi or Josh I think Josh like I think that Josh is like a soul sucker but he like at least when you're like annoyed with him you don't have to deal with him because he just like leaves you alone <laughs> Okay, she also wants to know what my go-to Red Lobster order is, because Red Lobster is my favorite chain, and it makes her feel safe. Here's my answer. I've only been to Red Lobster, I think, once in my life. Red Lobster is just not on my list of restaurants. Should I start going to Red Lobster? I don't know where there is. When I lived in Florida, there was one, like, right next to my house, and I never went. I don't even know where one is by me, although, like, I'm sure there's one. Red Lobster, I know everybody loves their Cheddar Bay Biscuits, but... 
I just don't fuck with Red Lobster. Not that I'm anti-Red Lobster. I just, like, never went there. I just don't go there. It's just not on my chains. But I will have you guys know I did a pickup order at Texas Roadhouse yesterday because I, yesterday I went to, with safe social distancing, I went to my dad's and he washed my car <laughs> while my stepmom and I went on a bike ride. Um, I didn't go inside their house. I didn't hug them. I just waved from far away and wiped down the bike before I used it, et cetera, et cetera. If that's not safe social, like, I don't know. Is that breaking the rules? It probably is breaking the rules. I'm trying really hard, but I also have to stay sane a little bit. And um, so their house is by the Texas Roadhouse near me. So I did do a pickup order at Texas Roadhouse. And the sandwich I got was not very good. I don't know why I didn't just get their crappy wings like I always do. But I did get a half a dozen rolls. And I have half of those sitting in my uh, fridge. And I can't wait to finish them today. Is that wrong that I went over to my dad's and went bike riding? I don't know. Maybe it is. I Like, we're probably not supposed to do that, but we stayed six feet apart. I know you're only supposed to see people in your house, but, like, God, I needed to do something different, guys. I needed to. Can I tell you what I miss? I miss shopping. I don't know if that's wrong, but, like, I'm a person that loves to go shopping. I think, obviously, everybody feels this way. Like, I miss so much, like, going to Target. Like, I love on Friday nights. I usually, because I'm a loser, but... Like, you know, I saw a meme that was like, damn, I'm a homebody, but I did like to go to one or two places. And that's really how I feel. Um, I don't usually go out on Friday nights. I'm like tired for my week. So what I like to do on Friday nights is go to Target and like I just drive from work and I go to Target and I just like to spend an hour just walking around Target touching things. <laughs> I love to go to the mall on random nights. I live or I work right near the King of Prussia Mall. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's the second largest mall in America. And I get my steps in at the mall and I just do 8,000 steps at the mall just walking and looking at things. Like I miss shopping so much. My mom's also a shopper and she's having a really hard time with it too. (laughs) Obviously, I miss going to restaurants. I miss seeing my friends. I miss going to AA meetings. I honestly kind of miss going to work. But what I really miss... It's like going shopping. Oh, shopping. Remember shopping. Okay. Um, Squidney travels, and her name's Sydney. That's so funny. Favorite thing you've seen on a recent walk? That's nice. As I just said, walking is my quarantine habit. Habit? Habit. Oh, my God. I'm losing my mind. Walking is my quarantine hobby. Um, I don't know if I've seen anything like, oh, I can answer this. Okay, so I live in a fairly large development. I'm so fucking grateful for where I live. It's like when I do my gratitude list, it's like the top of my list. Half of it is condos. There's also like carriage houses, which is kind of like townhouses and that they share walls, but they're quite large. Like these are legit bigger than, they're probably like they're 3,000 square feet. Like they're very big and they're not narrow, Um, they just share like a back wall. Like one of my friend's moms lives kind of up the street from me, like in a different development, but very similar in a carriage house. And it's almost the same exact size of the house that like we're friends from childhood and grew up in the same neighborhood in standalone houses. And it's almost her mom's carriage house is almost the exact same size. They're really nice. Um, I'm, I actually in a world where I could ever buy a house would be very interested in a carriage house because you have the perks of living in a house and the size of living in a house and a full finished basement and all that shit, but you don't have to do any of your own yard work. And then there's also like standalone McMansion houses in this development. And we have like tennis courts and 
Which, you know what sucks? I was like, oh, why don't I start playing tennis again? I'll get a tennis racket. But we, there aren't backboards on the tennis court, so I can't. Because I was like, oh, I'll be able to go just hit a ball against the backboard for a half hour. Like, that will be so great. No, can't do that. But there's like a playground, tennis courts, and a pool. So it's like a big HOA. And the nice thing is that the way that I, you can do a loop around the neighborhood and that's about like a two hour walk the way that I do it because I walk around like all the cul-de-sac streets in it. And there's this one person that owns a pig named Pixie that I see occasionally when I'm walking. So I love to see Pixie the pig when I'm walking. Uh, hey, Mrs. Disney says, I'm curious about the decision to change the name of the network to Solid. Listen, that's a great question. Uh, I think the answer is, is that Molly wanted to make this more of a serious podcast network and bring her all of her podcasts. Okay, so basically Molly had Please Advise, and then she started Emotionally Broken Psychos as a spinoff of Please Advise, where she could just talk about reality TV, and that's kind of what it was. Then along those lines, she started, it might have been around a little bit after, she started doing her Mother May Sleep With podcast, Lifetime podcast. Then she started having people do podcasts like under the Emotionally Psychos brand. Um, And it made it didn't really make a ton of sense that she had these podcasts and then like had a network of podcasts, but two of her podcasts weren't involved on it, but it didn't make sense to bring uh, Mother May Sleep With Podcasts and Please Advise into Emotionally Broken Psychos. Uh, so what she did, she decided to make a new network name where they all could exist on one network. Uh, I also think that Emotionally Broken Psychos, like, you know, it's not really a great podcast network name. I mean, I think it's a very clever podcast name and it worked when it was just uh, like a Tory Spelling podcast and Smush Room slash now known as Dunzo and Feathers in My Hair underneath because it was still all about like reality TV and celebrities, but Solid Listen just makes more sense as like a podcast network that's about like a bunch of different types of podcasts. And I think it's easier to sell the name Solid uh, Listen Network. I just think Solid Listen uh, is a much more digestible name. And when she told me that's what it was, I was like, yeah, that makes total sense. I think that's perfect. Okay, Mons906 says, who is your favorite housewife? That's a good question. I think my favorite housewife is, I don't know. I don't, favorites, it's just like team, like I don't have favorites like that. I don't know why. My brain doesn't work like that where like, I'm like, oh my God, she's my favorite. I love her because I don't love a lot of the stuff that I, I don't, (laughs) I don't watch TV like that where I have like positive favorites. I have like negative favorites. So one of my favorite housewives is probably Ramona, who I just think consistently is vile and delivers vileness in a way that I find very compelling to watch on TV. Okay, Laura Ellen, a lot of people have asked me this. What are your thoughts on Chanel's TikTok? They're like a car accident. I can't look away. I'll be honest, I don't really watch her TikToks. I'm not really interested in it. I think because (laughs) I'm someone who consumes a lot of TikTok, I actually really like TikTok and I don't care to watch Janelle's like dancing TikToks. That's like, I don't really watch anybody's dance. Dancing TikToks isn't like that entertaining to me. Um, So Janelle, like, I don't know. My threshold for cringe on TikTok is so fucking high that like when I do see Janelle's, I'm like, okay, like they don't even phase me. I people, 
I think are like so blown away by them in like such a negative way because they're so cringy. But like my cringe level for TikTok is so high that they're actually quite unremarkable to me. (laughs) Also, people are obsessed that Janelle's gotten fat and like have a million theories on why she's fat. And the answer is because she's like close to 30 and she eats like shit and maybe went off Adderall. People are, like, really losing their minds that Janelle lost 30 pounds, or gained 30 pounds. Like, losing their fucking minds. Like, she probably went from 140 to 170. Like, is she fat now? Like, yeah. But, like, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. People are obsessed with it. It drives them, like, every post on uh, Reddit Teen Mom is about Janelle being fat. And it's like, there's nothing interesting to talk about here. And people are like, it's not that she's fat. It's that she's not wearing flattering clothes to her. And it's like, no, it's that she's fat. (laughs) That's why you guys are talking about this. Because she got fat. Um, so, yeah, like, are they like a car accident? Yeah, because they're cringy and they're bad and people keep watching them. But, like, for me, they're just not really doing it for me. And I think it's, I think if I didn't watch TikTok, I would maybe be more like, what the fuck? But I see so much what the fuck stuff on TikTok that this is, like, it's truly nothing to me. <laughs> Lovely list wants to know when will Dr. Fauci let us out? Girl, your guess is as good as mine, but my guess is the end of summer. Okay, uh, C. Shizzle says, will you continue to work, Liz Bentley? Uh, will you continue out of work, Liz Bentley, after everything is back to normal? Somebody else also asked, oh yeah, Aaron Stone, have you ever considered going full-time with podcasting? Um, Okay, these are two good questions. If you guys don't know, which I'm sure you do, I'm doing a Patreon just under patreon.com slash Liz Bentley, which I'm calling Out of Work Liz, and I'm doing it while I don't have um, my regular job as a way to make money, but also mainly as a way to fill my time. People can commission episodes, so I'm talking about Sister Wives, but also like everything reality TV, and people have commissioned so many episodes, I'm recording about five episodes a week which is great because it's given me like a significant amount of work to concentrate on, which has been really awesome for my mental health. Okay, will I continue it when I go back to work? Probably not, no. Uh, The reality is, is that when I work all day and then I go to yoga at night, like it's not that podcasting is hard work. It's that like emotionally it's kind of hard or psychologically it's kind of hard. And I just wouldn't have time to do it when I go back to work. Now, would I ever consider going full-time with podcasting? I, like, yeah, when I see the numbers that I'm getting on Patreon, like, it is like, well, could I do this full-time? And if I was able to get, like, the thing is, is that because I wouldn't have benefits, I would have to be making, like, and after taxes, because I'm putting away 33% of this money for taxes, um, I think I'd have to be making about, what I'm making now is pretty good. I think I would have to be able to make, like, double the amount that I'm doing now, maybe even, like, 2.5 times the amount that I'm doing now to pay, like, to cover the taxes and, like, health insurance um, that I would have to pay out of pocket for to do this full time, I also think I would kind of like run out of stuff. I don't know. I don't think I want to do, I like, I think it would be hard to do full time. And I think uh, going to work every day is like good for me. And it's something that's important for me. And so I know I don't think I would be interested in doing podcasting full time. It's just not, I don't think it's like that realistic for me. And unless I could get 
like a thousand patrons a month, maybe I would do it full time. Like that would be like a, if I had like a thousand patrons in a, a month, which right now I'm about at almost 400 patrons, which is fucking incredible. Like my secret goal when I started was like, if I can get 200 people to sign up for this, like that would be mind blowing. And now I'm like rounding the corner on 400, which is like, I'm so fucking grateful for it and for everyone who supported me. And I really feel like I'm putting out like a genuinely good product, which is great. Like I wanted to, it's a $7 intro level, which is high for Patreon. Usually $5 is kind of the buy-in level, but I was like, okay, but usually that $5 gives you like two to four bonus episodes a month where I'm going to put out like four podcasts a week. So right now I think I'm doing four to five podcasts a week. (laughs) So that's a lot of podcasts for $7 a month. Although I understand that a lot of people can't afford that right now. Like, and I totally get that. As I've said, like I had to cut some of my Patreon subscriptions. Like I totally, totally understand people that can't afford that. And I'm not like, I'm not um, discounting that $7 a month is a high buy-in level, but I wanted to do it. So it made sense like that I could put a lot of work out there and it would, make me feel like it's worth it, right? And I think, like, if I could get, like, a thousand people, yeah, so about, like, 2.5 the amount of uh, people that I have, I could, like, maybe do it full-time, but I also don't know. I think I would burn out really quickly. I think the thing with my job is that, like, you don't burn out from it. Like, you do, like, because it's, like, life and getting up is hard, but... I still like go there every day. And if I do subpar content, I don't feel like I'm like ripping money out of people's hands that like follow me because they like me and care about what I have to say. And I'm just not sure like realistically, like what podcasting full time would look like for me. Um, I guess I should talk about this time to say that I'm, I got into grad school to get my master's in social work and I'm like 99% sure I'm going to go. It's, a really scary decision. I have a lot of fear around it and like taking out loans and stuff like that. But I really, I am going to go and I don't know what podcasting will look like for me once I'm in grad school. Um, and the idea that like, like, yeah, I can't say that it's not like, well, maybe I could go to school full time and then podcast full time via Patreon. But like, I, that's not, I think, I think realistically, like I'm going to be going to school full, like part time, working full time. And like, I don't know if I'll still be podcasting at all once I get into the thick of grad school. I love podcasting, but like, this is not, I don't think podcasting would ever be like my career. I just don't see that for myself. I could see myself getting burned out. Like right now I'm really enjoying doing the Patreon podcast and the amount of content I'm putting out. But also like, like I said, it does feel like emotionally a lot of work and I just don't know if I if I could, like, deliver quality content indefinitely. Part of, no, like, I think part of the reason I'm putting out such quality content and that I'm really enjoying it is that, like, I kind of know there's an end date on this. And it's, like, just going to be this little, like, blip in time that I did it. And I don't know, like, how, what that would look like if I did it full time, basically. Um, okay. Robin Smith says, how has being off work impacted the amount of time you spend on Reddit or social media? That's a good question. Um, I feel like not that much because I have a desk job and I can look at content a lot during the day. 
at work. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Uh, Snives333 says, do you think Butch is sober right now? I don't know what's going on with Butch right now. I actually feel like I haven't checked in on Butch in a while, so I'm not sure. Okay. Jessen Black says, Ashley's just as bad as Shen on Instagram. Do you agree or disagree? I think that, okay, so Shen and Ashley got into it yesterday on Instagram. I think I've long said that I think Ashley has some mental health stuff going on, and the way that she acts on Instagram is very different from how she acts on the show. Do I think they're just as bad as each other? Um, I do think that Shen, like, digs at Ashley a lot to get her to respond the way that she does, but I think that Ashley has some issues, and I think she's mostly as bad as Shen on Instagram, mostly. Okay, someone anonymously asked, how to get through a quarantine breakup? Girl, you're in my heart. You're in my prayers. To answer this without knowing more information, like, are you guys living in the same house? Are you broken up? Are you, like, in the process of breaking up? Um, I will say that if you are with a person and you're physically and, like, emotionally safe, but you're living in, you're living together and you just want to break up with them because you have realized that you don't want to be with them anymore. And quarantine has made that very clear. My advice would be to just like wait it out and break up after quarantine because the idea of moving and like starting a new life during all of this is a nightmare. However, if you're already broken up um, and you're living together, then like <sighs> spend a lot of time online and spend a lot of time talking to your friends. If you're not living together, then I think spend a lot of time online spend a lot of time talking to your friends. I think in a way it might actually be good to be going through this in quarantine because you can't like go out and drown all your sorrows and hook up with a bunch of people that you would regret and like make bad choices. And I think that the only way out of this is through it. And I really do believe that time heals most wounds. And I think like to use this time to really try and think about what went wrong and how you can be better and change would be really important. But, like, just be easy on yourself and let yourself be sad and let yourself do what you have to do to get through it. It's hard for me to give advice without knowing the specific situation, though. But I really, I hope you're okay. Ugh, I'm sorry. That's so shitty. I can't, ugh. It's just, like, the worst time. Life sucks right now. And just let yourself be sad. Okay, Tomlin wants to ask, what that mouth do. And for that, I say, Tomlin, I'm blocking you. <laughs> okay, uh, Psychic Sylvia Brown. That's a funny Instagram handle. If you were hired as Janelle's career manager, what would her next few moves be? That's a good question. Honestly, like, I don't see any sort of career, like, television career moves for Janelle as long as she is David for the next while. I think as long as she's with David and has, like, her obsessive haters, uh, she's going to have a real hard time getting on any network. My career advice would be to dump David and then go on, like, Famously Single or, like, some shit like that. Um, I think if she could get on Marriage Boot Camp with David, then she should do that. But I would be very surprised if anybody was willing to have her. Uh, what the Nicole said, do you like peeps? Guys, I fucking love peeps. Here's the thing. I'm like a total sugar addict. I fucking love sugar. I love candy. I love marshmallows. When people say they don't like peeps, I don't really understand what there isn't to like. 
Like, if you don't like peeps, does that mean you just don't like marshmallows? Because I guess if you don't like marshmallows, I could see how you don't like it. But they're just sugar in marshmallow form. Like, it's just a fuck ton of sugar. Like, what's there not to like about that? Yum, 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 yum. I love peeps. I especially love peeps a little stale. So when you bite into them, they have a little bit of a bite. Okay, uh, Aaron Duffy says, do you think the moms are scared of talking bad about Amber on TV? This is a a great question that I genuinely cannot figure out the answer to. I don't understand, like, I don't understand Macy's motives. And I don't understand Cheyenne's motives. And I don't understand aligning themselves with Amber. I don't think they're afraid because they weren't afraid to talk bad about Farah. I don't. I don't get why they are all so tight-lipped about, like, saying, like, wow, Amber's fucked up. And it all is like, she should get help. I mean, I guess it's because they like her and she's their friend. And when you're friends with somebody, it's, like, hard to talk shit on them. But, and they don't want to have to deal with it at the reunion. But I, I have trouble with understanding their motives, to be honest. Okay, Mrs. Jules Hopkins says, general thoughts about the people of long name on Reddit. So snarky always, in my opinion. Um, So I'm definitely one of those people that's always so snarky on Reddit. So that doesn't bother me so much. I do feel like the fandom of Teen Mom, I don't know if it's my interest in it or it's just what's going on right now is getting a lot more boring and less funny. I think that the moms are making a lot less drama. And so the content being posted there and talked about there is just not good. It's like, the same shitty jokes over and over again. Um, the same people making the same posts. And yeah, I think that in general, the subreddit has gotten a lot worse and less interesting. But I don't know if that's just me not caring or being interested. Like the other day, someone drew Janelle just like freehand drew her on paper. And so like eight people posted themselves, draw like posted pictures they drew of Janelle. And it's like there's there's nothing to say about this. Like, it's not funny, it's not original, it's not creative, and it spurs no discussion. And I think that lately there's just been a real lack of discussion and things to talk about. I don't know, but that just might be me, being bored of the Teen Mom fandom. Okay, uh, Jackie Toff says, if you could be a contestant on, if you could be a contestant on a reality TV contest, what it, would it be, like Big Brother, Survivor, etc.? I would say none. I don't ever want to be on reality TV. (laughs) Sorry. I don't ever want to be on reality TV, especially contests. I'm not competitive, so I wouldn't do good. I don't do good at contests. I would not be good at it. I guess if I went on any of them, it would be some sort of trivia show. But, like, easy trivia. Like, celebrity. If there was, like, a celebrity trivia reality TV show, that would be it. Okay, Lighted Room says, have you watched Unorthodox on Netflix? I did. I actually read Unorthodox when it came out years ago, although I don't have a lot of memory of it. So I got the audiobook to re-listen to it. And I was like, I guess I did read this. And then I like saw the cover and I was like, oh yeah, I 100% read this. I was just confused because the Berlin stuff doesn't happen in the book. She doesn't go to Berlin. She goes to a town in New York. And I was like, I fucking knew I read this book. Okay. Um, I think Unorthodox was good as a TV show. I really liked it. I do wonder, though, what it's like for people who have no exposure at all to Judaism. Uh, I also think that it, Satmar, the sect that she came from, is like the craziest fucking sect ever. 
And I think it would have been interesting to include maybe a an Orthodox Jew that is from a less strict sect as kind of a contrast. Um, I think that would have been interesting. But I liked it. I thought the acting was good. I thought the pacing was kind of weird and a little bit all over the place. And I didn't really understand why we were following that cousin and, like, his gambling addiction. I was like, okay, like... I didn't really understand how that tied in with the rest of the series. To me, it really didn't. I guess they're just trying to show that it's hard for men too, which it is. But like, I don't know. That didn't make sense to me. Somebody actually commissioned an episode on Unorthodox on my Patreon that I'm going to do in a couple weeks. And I was a little hesitant to do it because I don't think talking about fiction is that interesting. However, I have convinced my best friend who is an Orthodox Jew and became one when we were in our 20s to come on and talk to me about it. So if you are interested in hearing about that, you can subscribe to my Patreon. And we, my best friend that I talk about on here all the time, and we are going to talk about what we thought about the show and her thoughts about it and what she wishes she could tell people who have no experience with Orthodox Judaism when watching that show. So I think it'll be really interesting. But yeah, I liked it. I thought the acting was really good. And I thought a lot of thought went into um, the set design and costume. I was pretty impressed with the costuming. And I also liked that it was, I thought it was cool that it was in Yiddish. And yeah, I think that um, I would suggest the book is good. I like the book. And so yeah, I I think that it's interesting. I thought it was good. It was, I mean, it's four episodes. It's worth a watch. Uh, I think that they could have done it differently I think the Berlin stuff was like interesting but I think they could have went with the actual memoir and like how she left like I'm not I don't really understand like why they had her go to Berlin and it didn't seem realistic to me that they had her go to Berlin and that she like I don't know I don't know and then she like sat it was a little far-fetched is what I'm saying I think they could have told the story in maybe a less like insane way uh pics of ruby says thoughts on cat smart cat marnell um i think cat marnell is a pretty good writer i really liked her book how to get away with murder but i think a lot of her articles from the exo jane days are really overhyped and i think she's just a legit bad person um obviously like she's a drug addict so i think she gets away with being a legit bad person because people excuse it as being a drug addict but i think she has a lot of really terrible takes and she seems very delusional and she tweeted once like after the Matt Lauer rape victim stuff came out she was like I can't believe women get obliterate their minds and bodies with alcohol and then go to a man's hotel room at 4 30 at 4 30 a.m and then dare to call it rape like I think that's who she is at her core and has beliefs like that at her core and I think that she gets really overhyped and people forgive her too much because of her addiction but I think even if she was totally sober, she would still be a bad person. I like, I think that's just the way it is. Um, Lisa Portier, Portier, I don't know how you say that, says, would you date someone who's not in recovery? That's a good question. Um, yes. Yeah, I would absolutely date someone who's not in recovery, but I think it would depend on what they're drinking and smoking looked like like I think that I could date someone who like casually drank I'm not sure if I could date someone who smoked weed I'm not sure that would work for me um 
Like, I just think that would be a little too much for me. But I wouldn't care if somebody drank as long as it was, like, drank, like, a casual, like, drank casually and not a lot. So, basically, what I'm saying is, like, yes, I could definitely date someone who's not in recovery, but it would have to be someone who doesn't use a lot of drugs and alcohol in their day-to-day life, which is a lot of people. You know what I mean? Like, if you drink, like, a couple beers here and there, maybe once a year, twice a year, you get drunk. Like, I know a lot of my friends, like, I was actually talking about this with one of my guy friends, and I was saying, like, one of my guy friends from high school, and I was like, well, I could date somebody who drinks like you. Like, he doesn't smoke pot, and it's... I wouldn't date him because he's married, and, but I was saying, like, somebody like you who, he gets drunk probably once or twice a year, and, you know, maybe he gets buzzed every once in a while, and he drinks, like, beer and wine. Like, that I could definitely deal with. Like, that I would be fine with. I couldn't drink with somebody who's a heavy drinker, somebody who got drunk a lot, or somebody who, like, had, needed to have a drink every single day, but I'd be fine with alcohol in my house. I think there is, like, because alcohol isn't that tempting to me, I think it would be hard for me to date someone who kept pot in the house. I'd be fine, like, if you smoke pot a couple times a year, or, like, without with your friends. Like, it's not the act of smoking pot so much that bothers me. I just don't know if I could date someone and l- sp- potentially live with someone who, like, kept pot in the house. I think that would have to probably be a line for me, but it's also, it's hard to say. But basically what I'm saying is, like, yeah, I definitely could, but it would just have to be someone that's not, it's not, they're not, like, a partier, and they don't do it a lot, basically. But I, and, yeah, I think that that, I don't really care if somebody's in recovery or not. It's just more like, what do drugs and alcohol look like in their lives? Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Okay, she also wants to know, how long do you think it will be before Mackenzie wises up and leaves Ryan? That's a great question. I really don't have an answer to it. I'm not sure because, you know, you would think that it already happened and yet, and yet, here we are. Maybe like five years from now? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, maybe like five years. I don't know what it will take Mackenzie to leave Ryan. She's really hung on. She's really, really hung on. Okay, guys, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. But thank you so much for listening. I hope you all enjoyed. And I will talk to you this week on Feathers in My Hair. Talk to you then. Kiss, kiss. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.